The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwire.org.
communion. It's a time of worship. But think with me just a minute. What is worship? Well, I guess a simple definition is the lesser paying homage to the greater, or in this case, the broken piece of clay paying homage to the potter that made it. Paul defines worship as a command to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And he calls it, that's our spiritual worship. In a time of communion, we typically center on Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I think that's a pretty graphic picture of what a living sacrifice is. But you know, we live in a culture that is man-centered. Everything's about us. Everything's about me. God exists to be my magic genie. I rub the lamp and he makes it all better. He exists to make me healthy, wealthy. Anybody heard that anywhere? We even hear that not just uh, in radio preachers and whatnot, but we hear it in even the music that we sometimes hear. And I want to say right here, I am so grateful to Don and to to uh, Franklin for the fact that our worship is God-centered, not man-centered. They fashion a spiritual worship every Sunday that fits so beautifully with what the whole worship service is all about. But that's not the case everywhere. I mentioned popular music. How many of you remember a song a few years ago by Michael W. Smith? I got it right that time. This morning when I did it in the early service, I said Michael W. Franklin. Franklin W. Smith. <laughs> yeah. No. Michael W. Smith did a song a number of years ago, Above All. Do you remember that? Anybody remember that song? It goes like this. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth. There's no way to measure what you're worth. That's a beautiful worship song. Beautiful tune, beautiful words. Until you get to the chorus. Listen to the chorus. It says, Crucified, laid behind a stone, you live to die, rejected and alone like a rose, trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me above all. You see what happened there? All of a sudden, I became the focus, not God, not Jesus, not his sacrifice. I became the important one. So let's see what the scripture has to say about what he thought about on the cross. Well, in John 17, in the garden, in his high priestly prayer, Jesus says that the time has come, Father, for me to glorify you and for my glory to be restored that I had with you before the beginning of the world. You notice he doesn't mention me a single time. There's not one place that he says anything about Scott. In the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he pray? If there's any way for this to be taken away, but not my will, your will. Hebrews tells us that he was obedient to the Father, even to the death on a cross. His focus was not on me. He says over and over in his ministry, I only do what the Father directs. I live my life in obedience to him. And on the cross he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His focus was on obeying his father to the very end. So, does any of that sound like he had me personally on his mind? The father had a plan from the very beginning to offer mankind the opportunity to be redeemed 
But this focus in our culture is all about me. Sin is basically ignoring what's right and telling God, I think I've got a better way. But Jesus said, if we love him, we'll obey his commandments. So I ask you this morning, let's examine our lives. Let's ask God to reveal to us the places and the times that we put ourselves above Jesus. The places where we ignore his commands and exalt ourselves. The places that we think that we know better. Let's pray. Father, we ask your forgiveness for the times that we place our importance above you. Forgive us for the times that we assume that we know better and act in our own foolishness instead of obeying you. Make us aware of our sin and empower us through your spirit to live in such a way that we glorify you in all that we do and say. Through Jesus we pray.
He changed our day. And now you know the rest of the story. I'm speaking of the great Paul Harvey. For 34 years, at 5.10 in the afternoon, he would come on with this little four-minute vignette. It was a story about somebody. He actually started as a broadcaster in the 50s, but in 1976, he started this second section. And it would always start with, Hello, Americans. You know what the news is. In a minute, you're going to hear the rest of the story. He's one of the premier storytellers of all time. And he would tell these stories about people, and he would keep their names private until the end. And you'd learn about Albert Einstein and Amelia Earhart and Ronald Reagan and John Wayne and Julie Andrews. And I learned the backstories. And, and I was fascinated with this. It was more than just the main interview and, you know, everything that they would put on their plane, uh, the cute questions. It was learning stories about him. And, and I genuinely believe my fascination with trivia comes from this. I think it, a lot of it comes from knowing and listening to this guy because I wanted to know those things. When I get to heaven, I want to hear the rest of some stories. I'm gonna, I already got my first few months mapped out, okay? I, I mean, let's be honest, first few weeks, we're going to do a lot of singing. I, I'm going to walk around with Jesus. I'm going to ask him a lot of questions. But I want to meet Paul Harvey, and I want to I meet Tom Landry, and I want to listen to C.S. Lewis and Theodore Geisel, and I, I, that's Dr. Seuss. Uh, I, I want to I meet Charles Schultz, and I want to hear the rest of their stories. But I want to hear the rest of the story Zacchaeus. What happened after lunch that day? I want to know what the rest of his life played out. What about the woman at the well? What did she do when she went back to town? What, what about the woman caught in adultery? I want to know how her life changed. What about this guy Legion that was full of demons? And we've talked about before, Franklin and I have postulated that he might have been one of the first missionaries. I want to find out. I want to talk to him. I want to see what he did. I want to know the rest of his story. And I want to know the, ne the rest of a story of a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is an interesting character, and we're in this series called I Am. We're looking at the Passion Week of Christ, the last week of his life from Palm Sunday to Crucifixion to Resurrection. We call Easter. It was the Passover of that time. And many of you, if you've been in church, if you weren't with us last week and you didn't hear the intro, I invite you to go back on our website and, and watch or listen. But you see the, the phrase, I am, and we're right around Easter. It's very easy to say, oh, he's going to preach the the, the I am passages that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true shepherd. I am the, the, the true vine. I, that's a wonderful series. It's a, they're a beautiful passage. But that's not what we're doing here. The I in this series is you and me. I want us to look at the characters of that week. I want us to break them down and see who they are and to see if we see ourselves in this story. I want to walk in their sandals. I want to figure out what it would have been like to be in that city at that time. Jerusalem was a city of about 30,000 people. But during Passover, it could swell to half a million people. And there's lambs everywhere being slaughtered, blood everywhere. There's commotion. There's, there's noise. And I want to know how these characters dealt with that. I want to know more about this man, Nicodemus. We're going to be in John chapter 
three. But while you're looking, if you're online, uh, once you get your Bible, if you're in the room, get your Bible, get your app out. If you're listening on the radio, or if, uh, we just appreciate you tuning in. But on the screen, I have a picture of the guy. If any of you are watching or have watched The Chosen, okay? If you haven't, you need to, okay? This is a powerful series. But this guy plays the character of Nicodemus. His name is Eric Avari. You've seen him in a lot of things. You don't realize it. He's one of those, oh, I recognize him. I don't have a clue what his name is kind of a guy. He's a, a character actor. He was, he was one of two actors that was, in, that was in Stargate, the movie, and in Stargate SG-1, the series that like three of us saw and wasn't real popular. Um, He's been in Independence Day. He's been in The Mummy. He, uh, he was I, uh, my favorite. He was in Mr. Deeds with Adam Sandler. Okay, I, I love that movie. His name's Eric Avari. He was born in Darjeeling, India, as in Darjeeling tea. And his dad, get this, his dad was a game warden for the Bengal Forest. Exactly what you're thinking, the Bengal tigers in that forest. That's what his dad did. I mean, how cool with the dinner stories. What'd you do today, Dad? Oh, that'd be awesome. All right, so Eric Avari plays this character of Nicodemus. And this character is the recipient of the most famous verse in the entire Bible. And he's part of one of the most impactful interchanges in all of the Bible. And he has this in John chapter 3. But what about his story? What about his life? I want to know the rest of it. Nicodemus shows up three times in Scripture, and one of them is during the Passion Week. So I want to look at him, but you need to understand his backstory. So start with me in John chapter 3 in verse 1. How many brought your Bibles? Lift them up. Lift them up. Let's go. We're a Bible-believing church and a Bible-using church. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to a spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind. We can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. I'm in verse 9 now. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish teacher, and you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know And have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if if I tell you about heavenly things? Excuse me. No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now this next verse you might have heard before. For God so loved the world that... God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now Nicodemus, it says, is a Jewish ruler of the Pharisees, right? What is that? The Pharisees and the Sadducees are the two groups, religious groups, that are on the screen right now. And... Just a quick reminder, the Pharisees are probably the most strict uh, of the denominations, okay, uh, if we could call it that way. A traditional Jewish uh, group of that time, they separated themselves from anything non-Jewish. They only talked to Jewish people. They only hung out with them. They carefully followed the Old Testament law and the Old Testament traditions, the rabbinical laws, often to the extent of going overboard on it. Now, the Sadducees were the other ruling party. They were an elite, uh, elitist priestly class that did mix their religion with politics. So they hung out with Romans. They mixed with Romans. And they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the spirit world. And they only believed in the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, the Torah. 
for lack of a better term, I don't like this, but just so you can get a framework of left-wing, right-wing, Sadducee, Pharisee, okay? Just so we can get a framework. Now, Nicodemus was part of the Pharisees. He was a ru- part of the ruling council called the Sanhedrin. Everybody say Sanhedrin. Now, the Romans were in charge. You need to understand. The Romans were the bosses, but they let you little religious people have your little religious thing, all right? And so they allowed this council, a council of 71 men, was called the Sanhedrin, and they were mostly Pharisees and Sadducees. They would be, for lack of a better term, but just so we could have a little bit of comparison, the the Supreme Court for us, okay? All of that to say this. Nicodemus had some juice, okay? He had some power. He had some authority. He had some respect. He was a big dog in this community. He was the cream of the crop. Jesus said he's a teacher of Israel. Now, most of the sermons that we talk about Nicodemus focus on the fact that he came to Jesus at night. And I think that's reasonable, and I think that's a big point. Maybe he was embarrassed. Maybe he was questioning. But you need to know this. It's okay to question God. It's okay if you're here this morning and you don't have everything figured out about this church or religion or God. It's okay just own it because our God wants to speak to you. He wants you to he wants to be more than just a discussion. He wants to bring hope for your heart and for your soul. Now, if you don't understand God and how he works, just own that and keep talking to him and and keep coming to church and keep trying to learn and keep asking questions because he wants to be a part of you. He wants to not just be a discussion, but be hope. So Nicodemus comes at night and he starts saying, hey, you're a pretty big dog. You know, I can see you're from God because you do all of these great things. And Jesus answers a question that Nicodemus never asked. I think that's really interesting. It was never an asked question. Nicodemus starts with this comment of, hey, you're something important. But really it's an implied question. Hey, why do you do what you do? Or maybe even more, what do I have to do to be saved? And I submit that most people fight this issue more than any. And that is the issue of surrender. I submit most people fight this idea of surrender. Surrender is a hard place to get to, but it's a great place to get to. Most people really struggle with true surrender and the power that is in true surrender. A lot of us want a Savior, but we don't really want this Lord business. Friends, it's the best place to be. But it's hard to get there. Now, what sent us down this is an article I read about the Chosen. And the Chosen specifically chooses this character of Nicodemus to go deeper. Now, you're going to see him come up on the screen here in just a second. And it's Nicodemus over there on the right. Now, this visit with Nicodemus in chapter 3, the movie and the series, they wanted to expand it a little bit. Because if you look at it, it's mostly one-sided. It's mostly Jesus talking, but there was probably an interchange there. And they wanted to know the rest of the story with Nicodemus. Now, realizing that John, who is writing this, may have been there, and he may not have been there. We have no idea. We don't have any definition if he was watching this or Jesus told him this later on. But we need to know this interchange. The number one is that you got to be born again. And number two is that God loved us so much, He gave His only begotten Son so that we could be we could be saved. That whole interchange is absolutely essential to us to understanding Jesus. But here's what I want to get to. At this point in his ministry, Nicodemus is in the proximity of Jesus, but not yet surrendered. Everybody say proximity. Because... Sadly, I think there are a lot of people that are in the proximity of Jesus, but are not yet surrendered. You might be sitting there saying, hey, well, 
I go to church, and I mean, I do things. I, I'm a pretty good person. I listen to Caleb, and, and once in a while I'll do a good deed, and I may even put a $20 bill in the box when I walk by there. But you've never surrendered control of their life. And it's in that moment that I become Nicodemus. That's where we're at in the series. I am, I am Nicodemus. I am sometimes in the proximity of Jesus, but not truly surrendered. Hey, I like you, Jesus. I'll come you see you at night, or maybe for an hour on Sunday. But, but you've got to understand, I have my life to live. I, uh, I can't let people know that I, I serve you. Folks, we need to understand this. The ministry of Jesus flowed from his proximity to people. Do you realize that? Little kids come up to him and, and he talks to women at the well. It flowed from his proximity to people. But our power and the impact of Jesus flows from our surrender to him. Our surrender to him. In John chapter 1 and verse 14 uh, it's, it tells us the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. I love it from the message. The message says this. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. It's an interesting thought. Are you in the neighborhood of Jesus? Are you near Him? Are you completely surrendered to Him? I read an article in the New York Times this week uh, about a, a, the lady's name was Clara Dollar. And uh, I don't know if that's actually her name or not, but uh, that was the byline on it. And she claimed to have 700 followers on Instagram in New York City. She was writing for the New York Times. She was, uh, and she claimed and she found that she had 700 that lived in New York City. And uh, she went to her bosses and said, hey, I got an idea. I have, can we, uh, let's get all of them together uh, for a drink. And so pitched it to the, the magazine and, and thought this is a great idea. So she sends out this huge invite, right, to everybody on her Instagram feed. We're going to meet at such and such date at this bar. We're going to have the place all to ourselves. We're going to set up tables. You come on down. We're going to talk about connection. And she sends this invite out. She gets 23 that said they will be there and 30 that are maybes. She's got 23 yeses and 30 maybes out of 700. Now, you might be sitting there going, I get it. Yeah, I mean, not everybody could get there on that day. Okay, so she sends this out. On that day, they set up the tables. They're getting excited for it. It's a big night. It comes, comes along 7 o'clock when everybody's supposed to be there. Exactly one shows up. Now, here's my point, and I'm not trying to make a moral lesson here. I'm just trying to get you to ask a question. Did she have 700 friends, or did she have one? Because, and again, I get it, we can't all be at everything all the time, but do we say we are in the proximity of God? Or are we really doing what he says? Scripture will tell us not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of, of God, but... Those that do the will of the Father. You hear me? Not just talk about it, not just be in the vicinity of it. Are we in proximity to Jesus or have we surrendered? We see Nicodemus two more times in Scripture. The next one, turn over a few pages to, to John chapter 7 and verse 50. John 7 and verse 50. But let me set the tone for you what's going on. Jesus is in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, and he is teaching at the temple. He's doing exactly what he does everywhere else. He's teaching about the kingdom of God. And the Pharisees that are there, that group again, they get mad. But what's funny is they get mad about where he's from. If you read this whole passage, they get upset and they say, No prophet could ever come from Galilee. There are a bunch of hoodlums up there. It's an awful place. Don't we all, we all know from Scripture that the Messiah will come from Bethlehem. They even say it in there. I think that's hilarious. Have they not seen his resume? All right. Isn't that where he's from? Did y'all not check his background? But they're really upset about where he's from. So they drag him in front of the council, this Sanhedrin council. We talked about it. And they, they want to kill him. Look in verse 50. Then Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. 
Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing? And then the next verse, they say, well, what are you from Galilee too? Search the Scriptures and see for yourself no prophet ever comes from Galilee. Now, I want you to note this. Nicodemus does not declare Jesus as Lord. He merely speaks up for him. I wonder, what if God is asking you to speak up for him at your workplace, in your family? What if God is saying right now you need to quit being in the proximity of it and really stand up for him? Stand up and say, I believe in him. Because this is about connection. What if God is calling us to really reach out and connect? with others. Read an interesting article this week that in October of last year, October of 2021, that Japan, the government of Japan created a new cabinet level position and it's called the Ministry of Loneliness. That's an odd term, but it was just last year and his job is the Minister of Loneliness is to help people find a better connection than social media. Because in September of last year, September 2021, Japan had more deaths by suicide than they had by COVID for the last six months combined. They had over 10,000 suicides in one month. So they established this government position to help people deal with connection. He said this was in the announcement. People say they are connected. But we cannot live in isolation anymore. Yes, it's dealing with all of the after effects of COVID. But do you hear that? Christians are built to be in relationship with others. We are supposed to be hanging on to others. But I would bet most of you have heard somebody, maybe you've even said it. Most of you have heard somebody say something like, well, I love the Lord, but I don't need the church. I can, I can love the Lord without the church. It's, have you heard somebody say something, some variation of that? Here's my answer to that. Okay, that may be true. But can you be married and never go home? Legally, Probably. I don't know, you know, you stay away long enough and then you show up on an ounce, you might get stabbed. I have no idea, you know. But let's be realistic. Is that a marriage? Is that a connection? If, if you don't talk and you don't stay around and you... Hey, there's, there's not a, a connection there. And at this point, Nicodemus still has not made a move. But he shows up one more time in the text. And I told you, it is in the Passion Week. So jump over to John 19. John 19, and I want you to focus on 19 and verse 39. John 19 and verse 39. But I'm going to start in verse 38. We first met Nicodemus, and he came at night with questions. This time we're going to see him come in the daytime with gifts. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who'd come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment. Some of your versions would say 100 pounds or some measurement there of uh, of a perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jesus, Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a, a new tomb never used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now look, for just a second, I need you to hear me. It shows us that Nicodemus is a leader. Joseph is actually a leader in the, in the political realm. We don't know, but there is a lot of evidence that says he was also a member of the Sanhedrin. Both of these are Jewish leaders, and they request to go get a dead body. If you are Jewish and you touch a dead body, that makes you what? Unclean is the word we're looking for. But wait for a second. What weekend are we doing this? That is Passover weekend. 
If I'm unclean, I cannot participate in Jewish activities. As a leader in the synagogue, I can't do it. I touched a dead body. Think of the questions that's going to ask. Think of what that is going to bring on. And they couldn't participate. And they brought 75 pounds, some say 100 pounds, of this ointment that had myrrh in it. Anybody remember myrrh? Gold, frankincense, and... Okay, that was the beginning of this story. Now it's the end of this story. Even when they, the wise men brought those, it was a burial signifying what was going to be happening in his life. And it was a lot. I found a commentary that said typically a person would get 20 pounds for a burial. Royalty got 50 pounds. He got twice that. If it was 100 pounds, they paid for that out of their own pocket. And some of the estimates say it could have been $150,000 worth of burial stuff. Friends, secrecy and true belief are only temporary allies. They can only hang out together for a, a, a period of time. At some point... A person has to make a bold movement in the presence or toward the presence of Jesus. Boldness. There is a time for us to be bold in declaring and following Jesus. It was bold of Joseph and Nicodemus to go ask for this body. I mean, Pilate was already annoyed at this whole scene, right? He Remember the whole wash my hands of this business? I, you people are making me crazy. I don't want anything to do with you. And he is not notorious for being a real merciful guy, okay? And the Romans typically would leave people that were crucified. The reason they did it outside of town, they wanted it very visible. And they left them on the cross and let the birds eat them after they were dead because it was a visual to the whole community. Don't you mess with us Romans. Don't you backtalk us. This is our town. We do it our way. It was a very visible to anybody coming into town. Don't you ever not follow our rules. That's what happens to you. So it took a lot of boldness to go up to Pilate to ask. It took a lot of boldness to touch a body, to spend that money. Friends, real freedom lies in being truly bold for Jesus. But stick with me. Here's where we're coming in for a landing, all right? We've been circling. We're coming in, and it's going to come in hard, all right? The seat backs up, and your tray table's in the upright positions, all right? You ready? Here's the question. Have you boldly declared that you're a follower of Jesus? See, here's the rest of the story that Paul Harvey put in me. I want to know, did Nicodemus follow Jesus? And the answer is, we don't know. There are a lot of commentaries that say they did. And there's a lot of commentaries that, and there's no evidence that he, he declared lordship. Now, he did some good things, right? He spent some good money. Does doing something good save you? No. Does hearing the gospel save you? No, it, it's, it's important. But Matthew 10 says, whoever confesses me before men... Him I will confess before my Father in heaven. Friends, don't make us wait until heaven to hear the rest of your story. Declare Him today. Now, I said this last week, and I'll probably say this in all of the weeks of this series, but when I look in the mirror, I want to see Jesus. Anybody? But last week, sadly, I see Peter. This week, sadly, I see Nicodemus sometimes. I see circling with lordship. Oh yeah, I like you, God. I like to go to church. Sure, I love you. But never really giving him control of every part of my life. Maybe, maybe you need to be asked. Have you declared him as Lord of your life? Have you been baptized for the remission of your sins? Because maybe you're in here and you're one of those. You've been circling in the vicinity of God, but you're not truly surrendered. Maybe you have been. Maybe you've been a Christian longer than I've been alive. Thank you. That's great. But do you remember what he told us to do? He said, go into all the world and make disciples. Are we making disciples? Because, friends, that's everybody's job. Are we telling others about how great he is? It is a fact of the farm that Wayne and Mike and a bunch of others would agree with me on, I believe. 
that even the most fertile soil, even the greatest soil you have, will remain barren if you don't put any good seed in it. If it just, oh man, that's a pretty field over there. That would grow something good. Oh, wow, I I like driving around that field. Man, that would promote a good crop there. Friends, have you planted Him in your heart? See, some of you come to church and do a little bit of it, and that's great, and I'm thrilled that you're here. And you may have questions, and I want you to continue to have questions, and let's keep asking. But at some, time, at some point, it's time to make a bold move in the direction of Jesus. To surrender to Him and make Him Lord. Now, all week long, I've fought this thing with Nicodemus. One day I said, yep, I believe Nicodemus truly did. And then one day I'd say, well, I don't know if he really did. But the, there is zero evidence that Nicodemus absolutely 100% surrendered to the Lord. And here's what I don't want. I don't want that for any of you. I don't want that. I want the exact opposite of that. I want you to know. I want me to know. I want my neighbors to know. I am surrendered to him. Maybe all of this is still a little weird and you're not understanding it. It's fine. Let's talk about it. Call us and let's have a, a cup of coffee. But don't leave this place in the vicinity, in the proximity of Jesus. Leave surrendered. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.